Um, yeah, my name is Daniel Lee, also a boxing enthusiast. I've been watching boxing for about for about a decade now. I'm Lavelle Jackson. Um, I've been watching boxing uh, since probably the '80s, almost as long as I remember. I've been following following it extensively for the past uh, 15 to 20 years. All right. I appreciate that, fellas. Um, before we get started on our hypothetical matchups that we'd like to see, uh, we already predetermined that we were going to address a couple topics this week. Um, one of those are the two upsets that occurred last weekend. Um, any one of you fellas want to chime in on that Eladar um, Alvarez versus Joe Smith fight? This is one of those fights where, you know, when a, when a fighter gets in their, in their upper 30s, you just don't know what fight they'll start to shoot at each. And you don't know. And it's also hard to tell sometimes, like, is it the age or is it just a testament to the other fighter? And, um, you know, shout out Joe Smith Jr. That man is a workhorse. And, and he really did what he had to do here. He, you know, he set himself up for, for a title shot. Um, I that's kind of his next step. I'm not sure where Alvarez goes from here. I haven't heard about him talking retirement. I don't know if he you know stays and just tries to compete at 175. But um, it was an overall enjoyable fight. I thought. Yeah, I thought uh, Joe Smith did what he had to do. He went in there. He exceeded expectations. Um, with Alvarez, I think it could have been age. I have. Heard some retirement talks uh, with his trainer, and, but you know, good job for for Joe Smith. Absolutely, um, yeah. I think Joe Smith and um, Bivol already fought, or Bivol already fought um, a couple years back. But I think in that fight, based on what I saw, it's hard to tell. And you guys mentioned some of the possible reasons why the outcome was the way it was. You know, Alvarez being up there in age, I don't know if, like you say, Danny, I don't know if that played a factor because it's hard to tell because to me, when I saw him at his peak, he was somebody that was much avoided because um, Superman was running from him for several years. You had, you know, the fight that when he finally got his opportunity, you saw what he did to Kovalev. So at that moment, I thought he was like the upper echelon of the weight class and I never saw Joe Smith reach those heights. I saw him be close. And so that's what I was basing my prediction on. The other thing, too, and Danny, you mentioned this also in a previous episode as far as, and I think you were re- referencing Benavidez. And you were saying when he missed weight, you didn't know whether or not, like, the pandemic played a role, you know. So a lot of these fights, I don't know if that's playing a role in the outcomes as well because – how much sparring, sparring are some guys getting? And you know, it's other factors that you have to deal with when, when it comes to a pandemic. So not, not making any excuses for them, but just moving forward based on some of the predictions that we made in the past too, you might see some more upsets. Speaking of upsets, um, how about if we, we, we talk about the Dillian White versus Alexander Pavekin fight? Hmm. So that one, you know, I, yeah, so it seemed like that fight was going to be a foregone conclusion. Um, you know, all of us got it wrong, even going into it. I'm not going to lie, I was watching the stream. It was a little bit choppy, but even those earlier rounds looked like White was going to do what he came to do. A younger fighter trying to position himself for that, that title shot. And, and man, he's got caught. And if not, he's proved that he's pretty still pretty game in the heavyweight division. Yeah, Pavekin versus White. Uh, Pavekin caught him. It was one of those highlight real KOs that's going to end up on YouTube and people watching it. Uh, kind of. <laughs> um, but it was a great win for, for Pavekin. Um, yeah, he's, he's in a good position to, to get some big fight, big fights. Even if he doesn't get, like, the big three, he can always get the fight with uh, guys like Andy Ruiz or Ortiz. And those those will still be interesting fights where he can make a little bit of money. Um, I thought uh, Dillian White he was controlling the fight with with the you know with the jab. Pavekin um, was trying to set him up, and nothing was working. He you know he got caught with some flash knockdowns, and um, 
round four. And round five, that, that shot just came. And, you know, it was a great shot. I've always been, you know, ever since the Klitschko loss, I've always thought Povetkin was, you know, suspect. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, he's where he's at. Um, and he it's some interesting fights to be made in the heavyweight division. Yeah, in a white Povetkin fight, I was surprised at what I was hearing from the announcers because I want to say the first three rounds, I thought it was a lot closer than what they were saying. And then I, w- I think it was the fourth round when White dropped him once or twice. And you can tell that at this stage of his career, Pavekin's his punch resistance isn't the same. So you get touched and he'll go down. It wasn't like he was all the way like hurt or anything like that, but he has those legs that are not like they used to be. But, you know, like those old time for the last thing that goes is that punch. And so he, he landed that that beautiful um, uppercut and, you know, it was lights out. So, yeah, I think that like Dillian White, I'm, I'm happy to see him fight somebody again with the skill and know-how of a Pavekin and to see specifically where he is because I think – Dillian White, he thinks he's a lot better than what he is, and he talks a good game. And that's why I put him against Ortiz to see where he was, even though Ortiz might be even older than Pavekin. I thought he might still have a little bit more left. And that's where I was going to see what Dillian White, how he, how is he going to respond with somebody with a, with, a, with a skill set like Ortiz. But we don't need necessarily even have to see that fight anymore based on the results and outcome of, of the Pavekin-White uh, fight. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Outside of um, you want to talk about the Porter fight, Lavelle? Yeah, and then there was a uh, another fight, the Sean Porter fight. I thought that was a great uh, showcase fight. Through a lot of punches, he did what he had to do, uh, and it's interesting where he's at. I mean, he's at an interesting spot where I see a lot of rematches in his horizon. It, and that's only if he doesn't fight two guys, and those two guys are either Manny Pacquiao or Terrence Crawford. I think um, the Pacquiao fight is probably easier to make, but I'm not sure if Pacquiao would want to fight Sean Porter at this you know, stage. He looks like he just wants to cash out and fight one more fight. Uh, but Porter can pretty much uh, fight any rematch he wants. I mean, he, he fought like three of those guys. He fought... Uh, fought Errol Spence, he fought um, Keith Thurman and Danny Garcia, and they all were close fights. Those are They were all fights where, you know, he wasn't out of the fight. So, he, you know, we never know what would happen in all three of those rematches. Um, and I've always been a fan of Sean Porter, you know, even though, uh, you know, he has his flaws, he's, he can be rugged at times. But I like his ass, too. I like like the, the way he trains. He's, he's never out of shape and, you know, Always happy. I always happy to get in there. Okay. Uh, for my list, it's similar. There, I didn't number my list. Uh, I tried to pick guys who – fights that were a great matchup that I wanted to see. I didn't pick any fighter that had a style that I thought was like uh, kryptonite to another fighter. For example, um, Ali versus Mike Tyson. I always thought Ali would be a, a, a mental – Bad, a bad style mentally for Mike Tyson because he's, you know, Ali is a lot mentally stronger. He's very game against punchers. We saw what he did against um, um, Sonny Liston and George Foreman and Ernie Shavers. Uh, but even though physically, I think Tyson fights closer to Joe Frazier who gave Ali trouble. But I always thought that Ali would run him uh, just a mental gauntlet on Mike Tyson and, you know, mess him up. Because Ali is pretty much pretty much untouchable, um, and that's why I didn't list that. Uh, but my my first fight on here that I have atop the list, I always wanted to see this fight. It was always close to happening. Was uh, Bernard Hopkins versus James Tony? And it's almost like they just missed each other. Had James Tony stayed at middleweight, uh, these guys they have similarities, but they also have you know differences in some ways they're polar opposites they're both skilled they both have longevity they they, they rely on their skills enough where they, uh it's, it's 
extended their careers. They, they both achieved uh, respectable uh, things in their careers. Um, Bernard Hopkins, you know, he, he lives the Spartan lifestyle. You know, he he's, he's all about diet and, you know, and training the body, jogging and running and, and preserving what he can. James Tony is more, you know, sometimes he can have, you know, times where, he, you know, he's out of shape, not necessarily training. Um, but one thing James Tony does do, he spars every day, every single day. I've heard him say this. That he spars every day. And he learned on the job. He's not someone who had a a, a great amateur career. Uh, neither of them really had this amateur career. Bernard Hawkins pretty much learned, you know, in prison. And when he got out, he started his uh, pro career. But both of them, these guys became basically grandmasters. And to think of they neither of them had, like, this amateur career where they went to the Olympics. Uh, Bernard Hopkins, uh, his kryptonite is basically athletic fighters. James Tony really isn't that. James Tony is a you know a skilled marksman who you know has to show the role of defense. They both have a good defense, and I always want to see this fight. Um, and that's the Bernard Hopkins versus James Tony. Um. Okay. So my first one. Uh, it sounds like we were on the same page in terms of not putting ours in a particular order, which is great because I, I definitely didn't either. Um. My first one and. The rumor has it that they sparred and that one of them got the better of the other one. Um, they are friends, so this would not happen, but I would have liked to see it happen, especially maybe five years ago. I had uh, Triple G and Sergey Kovalev um, at the time, like five years ago. They were both boogeymen in their respective division, both relatively granite chins uh both knockout punchers every fight that they fought at that time was more or less a knockout or expected to be a knockout and um that would have just been a fun one with like a spar like I would have loved to be a fly on that wall in the sparring match that they had just to see how that would have panned out Come on, man. It, 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 that was a, something special to see. If you look at around, I want to say that was 72. But I know it's early 70s when he fought Ken Buchanan. That's the Roberto Durant that I'm referring to. If you get a chance, if you haven't seen that fight, take a look at Roberto Durant. I'm talking about nonstop energy, nonstop. I don't know how Ken Buchanan lasted as long as he did, but I would like to see that Durant versus Sweet Pea. And again, we know Sweet Pea was like a musician in the ring. You know, he had those angles. You know, he bent down. He had to razzle-dazzle. He, he, he twisted and he turned. He was a defensive master. 84 Olympian, you know, um, Norfolk's own. So I just think, and with, with these fights, I'm not necessarily, you know, going to make predictions. On this one, I think I, I would. I, I could make a prediction on this. And again, this is no COVID, so we wouldn't have to worry about if a guy is training, if he's doing this, if he's doing that. We know these guys going to bring it. And so just based on the fact that Durant always had trouble with boxers, boxers who would box him, not when Sugar Ray was being silly and, and trying to slug with him out there in Montreal in the brawl for it all. Not that. I'm saying when somebody would stick to their guns and, you know, choose to box a whole fight, he, would, he, he, he lost a lot of those fights. Benitez, Sugar Ray when he did it the second fight, Macho Camacho, um, Esteban Jesus. You know, so I think that Sweet Pea being the boxer that he was and, you know, sticking to his guns and make sure that, you know, he wasn't sitting there being a sitting target for Roberto Duran. I think he would pull out a unanimous decision. But it would be a nice fight to see um, this based on their styles. So that's the second fight that I have now. Thank you, Will. You uh, took one of my fights, but <laughs> since you did, I'll, I'll discuss that one. Uh, <laughs> Roberto Duran versus Pernell Whitaker. Um, this is a fight on my list because it's, it's just, man, it's, it'll be interesting to watch uh, each try to do what they do against the other. Um, you know, Whitaker, the, the defensive wizard who's tougher than people think, you know, he, he's He's a body puncher too. I mean, he's he's he he got the the offense too, you know. And then you have Roberto Duran, who on the other side he's under he has underrated defense. I mean, a lot of people you know, watch his fights at lightweight. I mean, yes, he was brutal, 
he had some defense too. You know, he he was a, a great body puncher, just like Pernell Whitaker. You know, um, very underrated at that time. And he, of course, you don't go seventy-one and 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 one if you're just you know a slacker fight unless you just fight nobodies. Um, and uh, this fight is just unlike. Uh, Will, I can't actually make a prediction on this fight. I probably won't on a lot of these. Um, but yeah, and Whitaker, he has a, you know, he has a tendency sometimes to, uh, he's so good. Sometimes he will play around a little too much. And, and sometimes that that's where he can, what he can suffer for. I want to say that Pernell Whitaker fights sometimes like how Floyd Mayweather spars. You know, Floyd is trying to learn stuff when he spars. I think Whitaker is so good. Sometimes he's trying to try things out as he fights, you know, and, and see if it works. And sometimes it it may not work, but he's still good enough to win those fights. Uh, and that's uh, Roberto Duran versus Pernell Whitaker. You know what? I One of the ones I had on my list, um, I almost wish I would have had him in the order so I would know which one to pick because all of these are kind of – like, okay, which one do I go? But I would have liked to see 2016 Canelo versus Prime Surge. Um, Surge from, like, 2010, where he got the Pavlik decision and the Paul Williams knockout. Um, at this point, Canelo would have just moved up to middleweight. And um, he still would have been a little green at, at middleweight. Um, you know, when he first moved up. And and Serge would have already been sort of establishing a division. And, you know, he already came into the game a little bit a little bit older than the average fighter. Um, but Serge was pretty cerebral and I but I, I think that Canelo, even being where he was then, would have made a really good fight for Serge. And I I frankly think that it would have been a fight that Serge deserved to have based on his career. Um, it's unfortunate that he didn't get that really big payday until, you know, he was already kind of past his prime against Cotto. Um, but I would have loved to see that at middleweight. All right. The third fight that I have on my list. And again, folks, there's no particular order with these fights. I'm just, just going based on how I wrote them down. And so now this is a matchup. This is not necessarily – putting an era against another era. These guys were smack dab right there. And one guy holds the world's weight record for title defenses. And I wish this guy was on that list of fighters that he fought to get the record. I don't know how they, I know it was, it was issues with promotional things and people think that that's a thing that's new. You know, this guy's on this side, that side. They just what really what were not vocal about it at the time, but it existed, and it existed in a welterweight division. The fight that I would like to have seen that was never made, before I even say this fight, I got Felix Tito Trinidad on here, but I really wanted to see Felix Tito Trinidad against Terry Norris, but I, I couldn't put him on here more than once. But the fight that I do have here is Tito Trinidad versus Ike Bazooka Corte. I don't know how these guys never fought each other. Corte, the WBA champ, Trinidad, the IBF. Ike had that strong jab. He had that peekaboo style. He he had the the uh, what they call it the clamshell defense when he had his his uh, chin tucked in, and then he he would have his cheeks covered from his his, his hands with his gloves to his ribs. But he also was was very. Like I say, potent with that left. He hit you. I mean, that, that left hand, that left jab knocked guys down. But then he could come back with the left hook, and that was very powerful too, as you saw when he knocked down Oscar De La Hoya in their matchup. But I, I sometimes would take long breaks. I think he was off for like 13, 14 months, and then he fought his biggest fight against De La Hoya. After that, he took – 13, 14 months off again, and he's fighting Fernando Vargas. So that that's kind of what hampered his career. Um, a lot of people think he won that De La Hoya fight. A lot of people, all the fights that he lost, they, they were very close. Even the Vernon Forrest fight was controversial. So, but anyway, very good fighter in a welterweight division in the 90s. He missed um, Sweet Pea, too. 
But then we all know about Tito. Tito's the, the, the big puncher, you know, one of the biggest punchers in welterweight histories. I mean, I would say outside of like Tommy Hearns or somebody like that, but I think, you know, you're very charismatic out of Puerto Rico. You got that stalking forward style, kept that left leg back cock, ready to throw those, that left hook, you know, through those combos, um, you know, and you always got stronger as the fight progressed. And that was something that Ike had trouble with. Like late in his fights, he tended to get knocked down. Um, so that would have been a very intriguing matchup. Two big welterweights, too. And so the number third, or the third fight that I have written down here is Ike Bazooka Corte out of Acragana versus Tito Trinidad out of Puerto Rico. Good pick, good pick. Uh, I always thought Ike Corte was, you know, very underrated. And he missed out on some more career-defining fights, you know. Uh, yeah, that, that jab, though, you know. Jab, and I, I did think that he edged out De La Hoya a little bit. Uh, and De La Hoya didn't want to fight him after that again. He didn't want to rematch. He, you know, he said that. Uh, but my next fight on the list is Sugar Shane Mosley versus Tito Felix Trinidad. Now this fight almost happened. It wasn't for one guy, and his name was Winky Wright. I mean, this fight was close to happening. They were talking about it. And this fight would have been interesting uh, even, if, if, even if they fought earlier than that at welterweight. Um, Shane Mosley, we know all about him. He, you know, he has the speed. You know, he's fast. He has, you know, boxing ability. Uh, he has power. And, he, and uh, foremost, he has a chin, you know, and that's key against someone like uh, Trinidad, who pretty much can hurt pretty much most of the guys he, he's been in the ring with. Um, and then you have Felix Trinidad, you know, the, that left hook, you know, it, man, the left hook that hit that he hit Vargas with over and over again is it, just sometimes I, I cringe when I watch it. You know, Felix Trinidad could be susceptible susceptible and, and get knocked down in fights and stuff like that. And, of course, Shane Mosey is not the guy you want to get hurt against. And neither is Trinidad. They both are a great finisher, and I thought they were equally matched. You know, Trinidad has underrated boxing ability. You know, a lot of people uh, – sometimes people look at him like he's one-dimensional or something due to – I don't know, maybe it's the the Hopkins fight, you know. But Hopkins, that's just more a testament to, you know, Hopkins. Uh, Trinidad was a bad boy in his prime, you know, and a lot of people forgot. And and so was Mosey. I thought this fight would be a great matchup. And that's uh, my third fight, Sugar Shane Mosley versus Tito Felix Trinidad. This this may or may not be on some of you guys' lists. You guys are, are, are more, more pure than me as it pertains to the boxing sport. But I, I feel like this one, I'm going to just get this one out of the way. There's no need to really build it up. It would have been a build-up in and of itself. Um, I would have loved to see, as any fight fan or even casual fan would have loved to see, uh, Manny versus Floyd. Probably back in 2009, maybe. Um, Manny had a lot more knockout power then. Uh, Floyd was a harder puncher then. Um, Floyd still had a cerebral advantage, but... Manny was just so quick. It would have been hard to do something with him, man. It, it definitely would have been I, – I don't know if the result would have been the same. Um, I kind of leaned towards it would have been the same, but it just would have been a lot more exciting of a fight to see, especially with the hype surrounding it. All right, so number five on my list. And, again, no particular order, you know. Really, with these fights, I would do three cards and I would have like three blockbuster, one just madness, you know what I mean? Like just four fights, you know, all of these basically main event fighters, you know, on one card, it's like a blockbuster event. Don King used to do stuff like that back in the day. But anyway, the number five fight that I have on my list is, man, this would have been a really, really intriguing, intriguing matchup. So my number five fight is Canelo Alvarez versus El Faroz, the Aztec warrior, Fernando Vargas. You know, we all know about Canelo. He's the cash cow right now. You know, smart combination puncher. You know, he, he, he's not 
your traditional Mexican style, like uh, Golovkin talks about, you know, he slips and counters. Sometimes he infused the shoulder roll. Um, he's not really fleet on his foot, you know, but but he's he's known to set a couple traps here and there too. You saw what he did to poor Amir Khan. Uh, Fernando Vargas, man, the, the fella had the heart of a lion. His career was was short. He remind me, he reminds me of how um, the eagerness that he had to like want to go after all of the big names. And at that time, the big names they, they would just didn't have big names. Like they were in their prime. So he he wants uh, Trinidad. He wants De La Hoya. He wants all of those guys, uh, whoever. You know, so his eagerness to just want to be the best and be the man, you know, and he he would say, you know, if I'm getting hit or hurt, you know, let me go out on my shield. Do not stop this fight. He was one of those type of action-packed fighters, um, you know, blood and guts. Very marketable at that time as well. You know, he had <laughs> that, that inner city swag about him. Um, you know, he wasn't, you know, scared to brawl or anything like that. But I think his skill set at his in his prime, that would have been a and he he's not gonna back down from anybody. And what he brought to the table, you know, at that age and and, and like I say, with everything that he had skill wise, that would have been a very tough matchup for Canelo. Very tough matchup. I think even as far as skills, I think he has more skills than Canelo, to be honest with you. But that would have been an intriguing matchup. You got um my main man, Canelo Alvarez versus Fernando El Feroz Vargas. I just want to throw it out there real quick before you go, Vail. Um, as a promoter, my man Oscar would have lost his mind if Canelo demanded that fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, I guess who? Uh, Fernando Vargas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He probably would, but that's that's then they messing up the game. They messing up the sport by doing that. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, to be honest with you, I'm gonna be honest. I think De La Hoya sometimes wants him to fight because sometimes in the media, that's what they say. I don't know if they, they're doing that just to, um, for, let's say for instance, Oscar is just doing that just to make it seem like it's. A, I don't know. I, it, it seemed like it, it's fishy as far as them having those um, disputes like they have in public sometimes, or it, it'll seep out into the public where it's like Oscar and Canelo are upset with each other. And then Canelo assigned to fight somebody that we don't really care to see, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that, but at the end of the day, I think what you're saying, if that's the case, and a lot of promoters are doing it, a lot of fighters are doing that too, where it's, they're ducking dudes, you know, at, until like certain fighters that they don't want to fight, and then they'll make an excuse why not. It's too much of that going on. You don't have those killers anymore. Like dudes who just, no, give me the best. Like back in, and I'm just, I'm going to tell you like pre, I say about, it, it had to be like in the 2000s, not the 2010s on, but in the 2000s, you still had those guys who wanted everybody. Like, you know, but you had a couple guys who were like the, um, who could pick and choose, but they position themselves to be able to do that. That's the difference now than it was back then. It's like now, guys, before they even do anything, it's like because they got a lot of followers on social media. You know, mm -hmm. that's where they think they're the man from. No, you got to put in that work in the ring, you know, and then you can start making certain demands. But there's certain things that you have to accomplish before you can start making those type of demands. But yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying, uh, Will. Well, with Oscar, uh, maybe that's true. I, I try not to really believe that because I go off his career as a fighter, and he was one of those guys who who went after the smoke. I mean, he had that pride about him where he went after guys that some of them he just couldn't beat. <laughs> you know, he went after guys in fights where people were like, "You should have ducked them." <laughs> uh, so I'm not really sure. But I, I I do agree, you know, fighters today they 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 more so likely to want to preserve you know their their career and their O versus let me let me test and see what my limit is. You know, I want to be the best. You know, I want to be the best without all doubt. 
Uh, so I do understand that. Mm-hmm. And, and De La Hoya, it's a couple things. He still was from that cloth of those that older. Like he, he's like a buffer between like how the older guys was, and you know coming into the newer type thing. But see, I think Mayweather was a gift and a curse because people looked at Mayweather by the time they are seeing him and he positioned himself where he positioned himself. That's all they took from his career is that he's picking certain guys that he he's in. I think from Mayweather's standpoint is I put in the work. I've won championships in this division, beat this guy, Diego Corrales. I beat. Yeah, he paid his And then he got to the point where he beat the cash cow. He beat Oscar. And then after that, he had the huge fight against Ricky Hatton. So now he's really the cash cow. He, he he can really call shots. And he has networks who are bidding for him and stuff like that. That's different from a guy, let's say, for instance, a lot of people are taking, and Broner is an extreme case, but he that's what he took from Floyd as far as the flashy, flamboyant part of it. And now that you got this popularity about yourself, you, you think that you – you know, can do those. Okay, I'm going to go up and fight, you know, not Thurman or anybody, but I'm going to go fight Malinaji, and then I'm going to come back down here. You know, he fight a little bit better opposition or whatever. But, again, I'm just giving you an example of they that, you know, for him to be doing what it is that he's doing, he's just based on the popularity he has. It's no substance to what it is that he's bringing to the table. And a lot of guys are falling into that, you know, that, that category of, Picking and choosing and stuff like that when you you haven't accomplished anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, we can beat that 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 subject. <laughs> you know, yeah, we, we can talk about yeah. that all, all the time. Yeah. We can do one one show on that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, going back to the middle, my my next fight is is Sugar Ray Robinson versus Roy Jones Jr. You must have forgot. This fight would be dynamite. You don't believe me? YouTube highlights of both of them. Both of them at their peak. Woo. A lot of people forget how good Roy Jones Jr. was. I mean, a lot of people look at how his career played out, and maybe they say, oh, he he must have always been chinny and all this and that, and they say a lot of things about him. But Roy Jones at his best was like, Magic. I remember times where they said the only one that can beat Roy Jones is God. I remember commentators and boxing writers saying stuff like that. So it gets forgotten, you know, how good he, he actually was. And Sugar Ray Robinson, I mean, uh, he speaks for himself. I mean, most historians look at him as the you know greatest boxer of all time. Pound for pound is basically ba- is based off of things that he did. You know, he and this fight would, this fight would particularly would take place at middleweight. You know, Shuri Robinson, that's one of his weights. It wasn't his best weight. I, I think it was welterweight. But even at middleweight, he was a beast. He was knocking guys out. He only been stopped once, but that was only because of, you know, heat exhaustion. The guy was a, you know, the, a beast. Everything you would want in, in, in a fighter. Um, and this fight would just be, man, something I will <laughs> if, if this if, – if God put this fight on, I would want to be in the front row. <laughs> so that's my, my fight on my list. Uh, Sugar Ray Robinson versus Roy Jones Jr. I Typically for these type of lists, I would try to not repeat the same fighters. And seeing as how it's hypothetical, you would think that that would be easy. But it wasn't because you have different versions of these fighters and and they moved up in weight, they went down in weight, so on and so forth. Um, so, so for this one, I have, I have Manny Pacquiao again, except for I have him at 130 against, uh, Vasily Lomachenko. Um, I'm talking to Lomachenko that, and granted, you know, Rigo was past his prime, but, um, you know, people thought that was going to be a better matchup than it was, but, um, you know, Lomachenko was too high tech, I guess you could say in that matchup, given his nickname. And, and. Let's say 2007, for example, Pacquiao had beat Morales. He had beat Barrera. Um, I think that would have been a very like high level, high octane fight to watch. Seeing those those two guys go at it. 
All right. So for number six, number six, this is going to be, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you know, I was, I was looking at um, a couple years back and um, Danny, this guy right here is one of your hypothetical guys, uh, matchup guys, and you have him against Sergey Kovalev. Now, I was looking at the ESPN top 25 of the last 25 years, and they had him at number 24. I, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I, I really couldn't because I saw a lot of great guys in, in uh, the past 25 years. So that, that really surprised me. They also had Chocolatito in there, too, and we see where Chocolatito is. So maybe that was just, you know, a couple bad reporters making a list. I don't know. But he had a lot of hype about him, you know, about him. So – I have Gennady Golovkin. Let me just talk about him real quick. You got that 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 pressure. You, you try to make people panic. You, you, you bring it to him, and then you know he he's pretty good at uh, you know when he gets fighters against the ropes. You know that's a, one place you don't want to be against Gennady Golovkin. You got that KO power. Even though he he pressures you, he still can he got really heavy hands. That powerful left jab. You know, that's that's something special. You know. And some people say he's one of the greatest middleweights in history. If you look up, you know, look him up, that's said quite often. And the fact that he's such a pressure fighter and he wants smoke inside the ring, why not give him somebody who would be more than willing to be his huckleberry? And so the fighter that I would face him with would be Gerald McClellan, the G-Man <laughs> out of Freeport, Illinois. Now, this guy right here is one of the hardest punches to me in middleweight history. I'm talking about vicious. You know, he shot them punches with bad intentions. Um, you know, his mentality was just to destroy. Like He's not just trying to get the knockout. He's trying to destroy something. You know, he wasn't always responsible defensively. That wasn't his thing, but he wanted to smoke. So why not put somebody currently who wants to smoke, who's considered 25 uh, – top 25 of the past 25 years, you know, against somebody who's more than willing to give him what he wants. So for me, my number six matchup is Gennady Golovkin versus the G-man, Gerald McClellan. You know, he, he, he had boxing ability. He had great defense. He moved very, very well for a heavyweight. He was very fast for a heavyweight. Uh, and so is Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier, you know, never give up. You know, he, he always could, 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 fight on the inside, move forward, throw that left hook. You know, he was left-handed. And I think this would be the battle of the left hooks. And I think um, we know, you know, Frazier could be susceptible to, you know, guys who punch very, very hard, as we saw against, uh, you know, George Foreman. But even Mike Tyson doesn't necessarily fight like George Foreman. So this fight would be a, a great matchup. Almost, I would say, uh, Frazier could almost – uh, be similar to Evander Holyfield as far as mentality, you know. But uh, you know, we know Fraser. Well, both guys because they're they're volume kind of volume punchers. They both burned out very quick. They had both had short primes, you know. Um, but Tyson fought on probably a little longer than he, he probably should have. But this fight would have been, you know, a great fight to see. And uh, that was my fight on this list: uh, Mike Tyson versus Joe Frazier. Uh, the next fight on my list is Iron Mike Tyson versus Smoking Joe Frazier. This fight will be very, very entertaining. I think they're more alike than they are different. Uh, the only thing that kind of separates them is their mentality. You know, Frazier is, is a, a workaholic, train, train, train. He's he's kind of self-reliant. He doesn't need anyone to, to really, like, motivate him. Of course, he had a Hall of Fame trainer. Tyson, you know, with Gus, he was he was unstoppable with Gus. I mean, he could, you know, uh, he he had underrated boxing ability. A lot of a lot of people look at his knockouts and his punching power. Well, casual fans do. Um, I don't know. Have, have two brothers fought each other before? Ever? Uh, probably not known brothers, <laughs> but they have. I think they have, but it wasn't like known like that. Not, yeah, not good fighters. No. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think so. And I might have. I might have ruined it already. It's fine. I wanted to see the Klitschko brothers go at it, man. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> look, Vitelli was forty nine. Uh, he is forty nine. He 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 was forty five and two. 
six foot seven, seventy inch reach. Uh, Vladimir was five years younger. He was forty four years old. It is forty four years old. I did that again. Um, he finished his career at sixty four and five. He was six six, just a little bit shorter, with a longer reach of eighty one inches. And you know, look. Vladimir was quicker. He had better footwork. I thought he was a little bit smoother of a boxer. Probably a better puncher, maybe. Um, but Vitaly has a little bit of a size advantage. Has a, a much better chin. He's never been down in his career. And I would like to think, being his bigger brother, he has sort of the mental edge. And I, I think he would have really tried to just kind of go at his younger brother and take him out of the fight mentally at least as early as possible would he have done that i don't know but i would have loved to see it so um klitschko versus klitschko is my is my my choice all right so i got another one so you know i had the golovkin versus uh mcclellan fight uh, you know that was the number six one that i had written down so this is another fight that like i say you know i was reading an article and I was flabbergasted. The guy who was talking from Sky Sports, he said that this guy is the best since Mayweather. Oh, is he? Is he really? Now, let me ask you fellas this. What's the best weight for Vasil Lomachenko? I hear some people say, like, now it's, he might be, you know, this is the last weight that he can go up to. So I'm assuming that this is not his prime weight. What would be if you say Vasil Lomachenko at his best? Which weight class would that be? Uh, probably be the weight class he's at. I mean, I, but this is the last weight class he should be at. It'll probably be one thirty. I think that was his apex. Okay. Yeah, I, I was gonna say one twenty six, maybe one thirty. Okay. All right. So with that being said, based on the article that I read, the guy saying from Sky Sports, so this is the head of Sky Sports Boxing. He's saying that he's the best since Mayweather. Now, don't get me wrong. The man is, is a master, you know, distance. You know, he got the, 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 the sidestep footwork, you know, the bait and switch, cat-like reflexes. You know, I, I get all that. You know, they call him the Matrix. But if he's that hype up and, and he is what they say he is, then this shouldn't be a problem as far as this matchup. So I will pit him against Salvador Sanchez. Salvador Sanchez at 126, he's the most complete fighter I've seen. I'm talking about the balance that he has, the um, counter-punching ability, the, the combination of speed, the power, the size that he was at that weight. Um, and then <laughs> I'm talking about he can do everything that I mentioned, and he would not get tired ever. He's gonna, The same thing that he's doing in, in – the first round, he's going to be doing it. If you go 15, he's going to be doing it. If he's in the whatever, he's going to be at that same pace with them powerful punches, that same – no, not lacking in technique or slipping anywhere. He's going to be doing it. And and you'll you look at him in a corner. I'm talking about no um, breathing heavy. I've never seen it. I've seen it in rounds. He's doing the same thing. And some of the guys that he was facing, for them to go 15 rounds with them was impressive on their part. Um, so to me, that would be a good, you know, to see what, you know, high tech would be able to do against somebody of that caliber. Like that's, you know, if he is what they say he is, he should be able to match um, skills with the great late Salvador Sanchez. So that's my number seven fight that I wrote down. Uh, the next fight on my list is uh, Evander Real Deal Holyfield versus Michael Spinks. Uh, we all know Holyfield is Holyfield, one of the best cruiserweights of all time, if not the best cruiserweight of all time. Uh, had classic fights, even at cruiserweight, you know. Um, he fought uh, Kawhi very, very early, you know, moved up to heavyweight. Um, Became heavyweight champion, just a legend all around. But then we have Michael Spinks, a very underrated uh, fighter in my opinion. A lot of people didn't really don't really look at his career at light heavyweight. I mean, he was he had, knocking a lot of guys out, like hurting them, you know. And he moves up to, to heavyweight, 
and this and in the 80s this wasn't the era when you know back in the days you had guys you know light heavyweights 175 and then move up to heavyweight 185 they weigh about 187 they're fighting guys who weigh 190 so it's not that big of a deal and that in in the 80s when Spinks did it you know you now you have boxers at heavyweight that's weighing like 210 220 you know 230 and he's he he went after you know Larry Holmes now granted that fight was very very close but Spinks you know he got the W and and he did it again you know we all know that you know what happened with Spinks and Tyson you know and uh, now I attribute that more to style than just talent alone. And I think Spinks will match up very, very well with Holyfield as Spinks had, uh, you know, uh, some good athletic ability. He had, you know, had the, the, the jinx, he had the, you know, the jab, he can move, you know, and then it's Holyfield that could, will probably even try to stalk him in that fight, you know, and I think it'll be, this will be a very interesting fight to see. And that's um, my fight. Found a real deal, Holyfield versus Michael the Jinx Spinks. Um, again, I repeated fighters, but hopefully it was worth it. This one is a little bit of a stretch. Um, sort of, yes, sort of similar era, but um, they never would have been a you know made the same weight class. But they were one or two pound for pound for a minute. Uh, but it would have been a fun one to see. I have Floyd Mayweather again. But against Andre Ward at God knows what catch weight. But um, <laughs> Andre Ward had the Olympic pedigree. Um, he was inactive for a while because of the promoter disputes. But very cerebral fighter. But if we're going hypothetical, I would have liked to see a mastermind such as Andre Ward against someone such as Floyd, um, especially back when they were I wouldn't say in their primes, but they were sort of one and two at the same time. It would have just been a nice fight to see, I think. All right. I'm going to start speeding mine up because I know listeners, man, you know, I see that we'll be around an hour or so. And I'm not trying to, you know, I know when I see an hour time stamp, sometimes, you know, I, I might hesitate on clicking on something like that. So let me go ahead and speed mine up. The number eight fight that I have on my list would be Floyd Mayweather versus the Hawk, Aaron Pryor, just based on styles. And these are two terrific fighters. And I think they're around the same weight. You know, the Hawk had that frenetic style. You know, he never stopped. He never backed up. He had high energy. You know, he you know, he had power, um, very aggressive, crowd-pleasing. And then just like Floyd, you know, he made adjustments too with that frenetic style. He'll know, you know, um, how to deliver his punches based on how fighters are defending themselves against them. And he did that against Alexis Aguilar. I remember him mentioning that in one of his interviews after that high profile match. And then Floyd, we all know that he's the defensive counter puncher genius. Got the roll high IQ makes those adjustments. So stylistically, I think Mayweather with his poise in the ring, high IQ, I would like to see how he would match up against somebody like Aaron Pryor, the caliber fighter that he was, as well as I've never seen him fight. Maybe the closest thing that I've seen him fight to Aaron Pryor would be Emmanuel Augustus, but Emmanuel Augustus was no Aaron Pryor. So to me, that would be an excellent matchup, Floyd versus the Hulk. The fight on my list is Gerald McClellan versus Tito Trinidad. And this fight, I think, We'll probably lose count on how many knockdowns will probably happen in this fight. <laughs> and somebody probably likely will get stopped. These guys are two punchers. Uh, of course, middleweight was Gerald McClellan's, you know, best weight. So he would have the probably have the edge here. But Trinidad brought his power up to middleweight. I mean, when I saw the beating he put on uh, Joppy. It was, you know, a little uncomfortable, hard to watch. Like, I felt it kind of felt for Joppy, and Joppy was a good fighter. He wasn't just some, you know, some bum. And uh, Gerald McClellan, a lot of people don't, you know, people don't talk about him a lot. And they don't talk about him enough. You know, he had a, uh, a tragic ending to his career, but he was he, he he did. I mean, he was a brawler. He could, you know, had a hour. He had a kill you or die attitude. 
but he did have an amateur career. He could, you know, he had a good jab. He he could he had a good one too. He could do a lot a lot of things. He just elected not to. And there's actually uh I I've seen sparring footage of him and uh I believe James Tony. Very interesting. And I think this fight will be just exciting to watch. Uh, so that's uh, my final list. Gerald McClellan versus Tito Felix Trinidad. I'm going to try to speed mine up as well. Um, this one is pretty self-explanatory just because it's relatively recent. These two gentlemen were on a, on a crash course to fight each other anyway. It just never happened for um, nonsense reasons that we kind of touched on a little bit earlier in the podcast. But um, at the light heavyweight division, probably about five, four or five years ago. Uh, would have been really good to see prime Sergey Kovalev against Adonis Stevenson. Um, it just, it's just unfortunate that we, you know, we were sort of robbed of that fight. Not for any, any good reason anyway, but um, yeah, that's my next one. All right, so my number nine. Uh, this is going to be one of those fights that could have possibly happened, but these guys missed each other. And I don't know if they intentionally missed each other or one was trying to avoid the other. I don't know. But this would have been, you're talking about a guaranteed knockout. I have Mike Tyson versus David Tua. So you know about Mike, you know, throwing the punches with bad intentions, very intimidating. Um, You know, you got the thunderous body punches. You know, you got that duck under, you know, landing those combinations, two-handed power. David Tua on the other end, he didn't use the same technique as Mike. He was more so he he kept his chin tucked in. He would keep his gloves up to his face, you know, try to conserve his energy to avoid like risky situations. But, you know, he had that vicious left hook to the body and then also to the head. And one thing about Tua is very durable too. You know, until the tail end of his career, I, I think I saw him get knocked down against somebody like Monty Barrett or something like that. But that was when he was way past it. But outside of that, you know, he had that thick neck. And, um, yeah, and they both were around the same size, and they're trying to do the same thing. Only thing is, Michael had a two-fisted attack, and Tua just had that left hook. But, boy, did he have one. So my number nine fight that I have here on my list is David Tua versus Iron Mike Tyson. Will, I don't like you, man. <laughs> Will, that's actually on my list. Okay, so I'll talk about it. Iron Mike Tyson versus David Tua. Two, you know, short, stocky heavyweights, uh, about the same size, you know, punchers, feared punchers. And and you're, you're absolutely correct. Tua, you know, had his iron chin. You know, we know Mike Tyson uh, had a chin also. He did have a chin. It's just that Mike Tyson, uh, mentally, he would he would end up taking beatings, and he would take them, but he would you would see him mentally give up on, on himself and just accept that beating and just take it. You know, he wouldn't just get knocked out or, or you know quit or anything. At least not you know until the end of his career. But Mike Tyson could take it too, just like he can dish it. But uh, I think mentally he he's more likely to give up on himself versus Tua. Tua was more limited, but at least Tua would even just at least look like he's trying. Like, even when you look at his fight with Lance Lewis, yeah, Lance Lewis is just, you know, over and over again. But, you know, Tua still was coming forward. You know, he still was like, I, I, I managed to try to land that one left hook, you know. And I always thought this fight would be very interesting. I, don't, I, I, I never knew why this fight was never discussed or did not happen. Uh, maybe uh, bad timing, but I think this fight would just um, just be dynamite. Uh, and matter of fact, I'm not sure that either one would get the stoppage. <laughs> I think they would just be hurting each other the whole fight. Uh, and that's the fight on my list: uh, Mike Tyson versus David Tua. I have one that hypothetically could have happened, but one fighter was unwilling to move up and wait. Um, I like this one because, to put it simply. It would have been sort of a, a clash of styles and personalities. Um, I, I have Triple G against Carl Frotch. Uh, Triple G, th- both of those guys have granite chins. Both of them can brawl. They can really go at it. Uh, Triple G is, is more on the humble side. Uh, Frotch is more on the not humble side. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe the promoters could have played it against each other. I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? But I would have really loved to see the last fight. All right. So the last fight that I have on my list, I would have this fall at 140. And um, these two all-time greats, you know, it's another class in styles. This would be very difficult to predict. Either one of them, I think, could have won this matchup had it happened. And the fight that I'm talking about is Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao versus Julio Cesar Chavez. El Gran Campeón. You know I mean. Mm. And so, you know, Manny with that footwork, speed, power, you know, he worked from them angles. He got the least left-handed. You know, he sets those traps, as Floyd said. Um you know, sometimes you'll see Manny running. I mean, at his peak, at his best. I remember he was fighting Miguel Cota and um, Mosley. And he'll run in there and he's throwing these shots. Some of them, it appears early on, well, at least that's what the opponent said. They all look the same. Throwing are softer than the other ones. But he's coming at a rapid speed. But then he'll catch you with one of the punches is real hard. And he'll drop somebody or knock them out. And so he just has some really, you know, tricky things that he'll do in the ring. And he's just hard to get to. He just has a rhythm that's very difficult for his opponent to, you know, catch. And then, you know, had El Gran Campeon. You know, he was very disciplined. He landed those short shots on the inside. Very heavy hands. Steel chin. You know, aggressive pressure. Body punching. And then also, um, what people don't realize about Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. was that he has some really good head movement. You really saw him get hit, flushed with shots. You know, he, he was, he'd be inside. He really didn't have to have his hands up, but he would move um, in such a way that he'd take the thing off punches or people would just flat out miss him. Um, like I said, I just think it's, it's a really interesting cl- um, style clash. Could El Gran Campeon break Manny down? Because like I said, if he touches you, he's going to hurt you and it's just going to cause damage throughout the fight where he's just breaking his fighter his opponent down and then Manny could he sustain that punishment did he do the unthinkable could he hurt Chavez so like I say these guys are all-time greats that would have been a tremendous matchup they both were pound for pound um, top fighters you know at some point in their careers and then they also both lost the two ex um, boxers <laughs> in their careers as well. So, like I said, it, it'll be, it would have been an excellent matchup between Pacquiao and El Gran Campeon. Now, this fight uh, is a guilty pleasure fight. <laughs> uh, I always want they these two guys probably just miss each other. Uh, one was at was, was you know coming up while one the other was coming down, and I always wonder what would happen if these two guys even just signed the fight. And these two guys was. Ricardo Mayorga versus Antonio Margarito. I would, I would want to watch the press conference and see how would Margarito react to Mayorga talking about his wife, you know, stuff like that. But this fight would just be just, just crazy, you know, probably be sloppy. And this would be one of those fights where Margarito would actually be the boxer in this fight. <laughs> you know, I think Margarito probably boxes better than Mayorga, but I think Mayorga is probably a little more dangerous than Margarito because he's so unorthodox. You know, he just throws punches, you know, he likes to show off his chin, you know, and, and actually he does have a chin. It's just that he shows it off so much that he gets hit, hit on it. He just get gets dropped and hurt. And it really, it was only guys, Shane Mosley, Austin De La Hoya, you know, um, Felix Trinidad. These are all three of those are, are murderous punchers. You don't want to get hit with a left hook from either of them. And, and Mayorga would, try to test them and take punches from them. Margarito, on the other hand, you know, he puts a lot of chin also. But at least his goal is not to, you know, get hit or show that he can take your punch. I mean, yeah, when you happen to hit him on the button, he's going to laugh at you and say, yeah, I took it. But he's not going to – I don't see Margarito dropping his his hands and inviting you to just just punch him. I think this fight will be, you know, a very – entertaining sloppy fight you know two brawlers almost like watching you know mickey war versus a turtle Gotti, <laughs> and and that's uh 
my guilty pleasure fight, Ricardo Mayorga versus Antonio Margarito. All right, so I've already included a decent amount of some of the top 10 pound-for-pound fighters on my list. Um, I have not yet included one Terrence Crawford. So imagine, right, I'm looking at his box rec during his campaign at lightweight. And, you know, he cleaned out the division. He took Postal's O. He took Julius Ndongo's O. Um, I don't, a lot of people don't really remember those wins. So, like, he didn't, if you ask me, he didn't really have a, a sort of like a marquee, like a highlight fight at 140. And although these two guys, they, they miss each other both in timing and in, in weight class a little bit. I, I feel like, and I'm not even going to try to predict it, but I feel like if he would have won this, it, it would have been sort of a marquee fight for Terrence Crawford. And so I have to go with uh, Juan Mayweather Marquez. I just feel like that would have made for a good matchup. I feel like, um, you know, at some point they were both, I believe, I, I don't remember when, or if he was a, he, he was definitely a champion at that weight class, but I would have liked to see those two guys go at it. So uh, do we have any final words? I'm all talked out, man. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I'm, I'm talked out too, Danny. So um, I think it's time to wrap this one up. I think that's show five right there. And again, folks, make sure you check out our other episodes. Next week, we got something special for you. But now it's time for us to break camp and we out. Peace.